Praise God. Praise God. Y'all are amazing. Amen. Thank you, buddy. So now I got something for you to, tonight. Uh, I'm kind of glad it's just a small crowd, so in case this flops, y'all. You know, I won't have to deal with this much. But it's all right. I'll come out there to the chairs and preach to y'all. But what you need right now is a pen and a piece of paper. If you don't have a piece of paper, well, then we'll get you an offering envelope you can write on the back of. This message is pretty simple, but uh, I believe it can have a profound impact on your life because it's the Word of God. So you're going to have to just sit here and think for a minute. Okay, this is not a test. Nobody has to get up at the end of service and say anything or anything. It's not a test. But I want you to write down, take just a minute here. I want you to write down four things. I got four questions, okay? Because when I was preaching Sunday and I was talking about, when I, I started talking about purpose, and I really felt the anointing of God going in that direction and the Spirit of God wanting to do something. And so I was been praying about it. And so now we're going to talk about purpose tonight, your purpose. So you can just write these down. These are the four questions that you need to ask yourself. Number one is, what are you good at? Okay. Number two is, what comes naturally? Now, number three, when I, when I, it, it goes along Three and four go along with question number one. Because what I'm looking for is I want you to give me, I want you to write down two things that you're like physically good at. When I say physically, because I don't know what word to write here. Like you're a good cook. That I'm calling that a physical thing, okay? You're a good welder. You can weld. You can do carpentry. Those are physical things. You can sew. You can, you know, that's what I'm trying to talk about when I say a physical thing, something that you, I guess you'd say, construct, okay, paint. That would be a physical thing, all right? And then the second part of that is, then what are you, what, what are you naturally good at? What are you naturally good at and what comes natural to you? That's a, I'm going to call it a soulish thing because I don't know what else to call it. You naturally like to listen to people talk. You naturally smile. You naturally like to... Um, uh, Laugh. You naturally uh, have an encouraging word for people. Those I'm going to call those soulish things. Okay, y'all see what I'm making? The difference is what's something that you would do that would be physically you can construct, and then what's something that just you know it tends to be your I guess maybe your temperament. I don't know. Maybe that's the word. Well, no, because I'm not going to get into spiritual gifts. I'm talking about n natural things. Like I can prophesy. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Something that, you know, I'm a good listener. Yeah. That's just a natural thing you don't have to do. Like, like Bill always is at the door greeting people with a smile on his face. I'm calling that a soulish thing, okay? So even though it's a spiritual thing, but I'm calling it a soulish thing. It comes natural to him. Some of you would say, oh, that's the worst job in the world. I would never want to do that. Oh, but I would like to go clean the kitchen. Well, that's kind of in your physical side of things, but see also something that you could do. So have I got you totally confused? Okay. So write those. Take a little moment. 
Think about those before I go on with the message. Well, that was three and four. I, I kind of messed it up here. But three and four is physical and soulish, which kind of goes with number one. So I guess I really only ask you two questions. What are you good at and what comes natural? And then three and four is kind of like fitting in there. Yeah, A and B in my outline. <laughs> now, as I go along this message, you may want to change them. You know, as I start to go along, you may say, oh, wait, you know, something like this, because I want to believe the Holy Ghost to prompt you and things. And that's okay. I'm just trying to get a basis here to start. I saw an article the other day that said that the average American has not made a new friend in five years. And, but it didn't give a definition of what a friend is, you know. I thought to myself, that's kind of sad that getting, we're getting very isolated in life when we don't even you know, make a new friend or you know, meet somebody new and have a new relationship or an acquaintance or whatever. Which got me into thinking this whole message about purpose. Because a lot of times in life I believe that God, we already have and we already know, no, we already have the God-given purpose working in us. We just don't know what God's doing with us. Okay. So if you, you can still keep writing, but let me go on. Go to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Let me give you some scripture where I'm headed with this. Because this is something I think you're going to want to take home and want to keep looking at and keep praying about and asking the Holy Ghost to reveal it to you. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And so it says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running and he knelt before him and asked him. Okay, hold on a second. I just got another point. Okay, let me start over. As he was going down, well, as he was going out on the road, one came running. He knelt down before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" So Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments: do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud." Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, There's one thing you're lacking. Go, and, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at his words, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay, so I just broke down this what did the rich young ruler have going for him? All right? So these are just some things I wrote down after just reading that scripture. I mean, I never met the guy. None of you said anything that I know in the Bible about him. What does it say? Number one, he was rich. Right? I don't know how he made his money. I don't know that if he inherited it. I don't know that he had a business. But somehow or another, in the eyes of the people, he was rich. Now, I thought this was interesting. I, I just did a little quick search. And in 19, uh, well, at ni in 1900, I saw another article the other day I read that said, in order to, if you were going to be considered rich in the United States today, okay, you needed to have $2.6 million dollars. But it didn't specify like that's $2.6 million in the bank or $2.6 million assets cleared, whatever, 
I guess your value would be 2.6 million, okay? Then you were considered rich, all right? In 1900, the average person made $500 a year. So I just took that and I said, okay, the average person in America today makes 60,000 and you did that into the 2.6 million, it take you, that's 43 years of wealth for 2.6 million. So I just did 500 times 43 years. And so if you had $21,000, in the bank, or, or valued at 21000 in 1900 you would have been considered rich. I'm just putting that together. I don't know how rich this guy was, but they called him rich, so I'm going to say he was rich. Like I said, he could have got it as an inheritance, or he may have had a business, okay? So if he had a business, I'm going to just say he did for the sake of preaching, okay? So if he had a business... Then what did he have going for him, okay? Let me show you a few other things. Number two was it said he was young. So he had youth working on his side. Number three, uh, he had a heart for God because he went to Jesus trying to find out how to be righteous, even though it may have been religiously or whatever by works, but he still was seeking God. He wasn't somebody just sitting on the street saying, I ain't going to go talk to Jesus. He wanted to grow. So there was a portion of his heart that was good. He was also someone, the fourth thing I found looked in this thing is, is he was seeking truth. Now, he didn't like the truth. He didn't like what the Lord said to him, but he was seeking it. So he had a heart to seek. So you could also say, you know, I'll, I'll give him this one. It would be another one you could add in there. He may have had to let down his pride to go be associated with Jesus if he had a, was a man of, you know, rich and a ruler to come and go lowly to Jesus. So that, that would be another point that he had going for him. Uh, the fifth one is people knew who he was. So he was known. He had people knew that this was who this guy was. So then that gave him, the sixth one gave him influence. So he did have influence over people because he did know people because he was rich and because he was in business. All right? And then the seventh one, I just... That's what I wrote down. This, that, so, so. He says he came and he ran to Jesus. Oh, he could run. He's pretty healthy. <laughs> he wasn't a fat, rich young ruler. He must have <laughs> been able to run. So I gave him that one too. So this guy had all of this going for him. Are y'all following me here? In in the world picture, you know, he had he he was rich. He was he was in business. He was young. He had a heart for God. Uh, he's someone that sought the truth. People knew who he was. He had influence and he could run. Okay? So this guy had a lot going for him, but when Jesus challenged him, he said it wasn't like he was, this is, this is the way, because I just know God. I don't, I don't mean to be presumptuous here, but I'm just saying I know the heart of the Father. Jesus did not do anything mean to this guy. That is not the way God operates. What I believe Jesus did is he was looking at him and he said, man, your real purpose in life is you're supposed to be a giver. You have this natural things going for you here, but you're missing, you're using it for spiritual means. And I want to help you today. I want to make you the truly richest guy in the world. I want to bless you. I want to get you into your purpose in life so that you can become a giver. And when you do that, then your whole world is going to open up and man, you're going to be amazing. And besides that, he gave him an apostolic call and said, hey, then come and follow me. So he would have been an apostle. 
So because he couldn't walk in his purpose or he wouldn't recognize his purpose and dysfunction in it, he missed the call of God on his life. Okay? So now let me show you this. The reason why I ask you to do some things that were physical and some things that were natural, because let's just say, okay, now I cannot back this up in the word. All right? So just you got to give this to me because I'm back to the guys in business. Let's just say the guy had an ability to do business. Okay? That he, there's people out there in life. There's people out there in life that just have an ability to start a business, an entrepreneur, go out there and make money. So he had this going for him. And he was successful at it because he was known as a rich guy, right? But the whole time, he's not being fulfilled in life because he's not really following his purpose. He's got this gifting to do business, to make money, but then he's missing the third part, which is being a giver, which would have brought all the blessings that got into his life and given him fullness of life because something's wrong with him. If you go run in Jesus and say, look, I've kept all the commandments, and he's still seeking something, something's not right. He's still not being fulfilled. He's still not walking and feeling like he's being who he's supposed to be. So something was going on. But everything that happened with this guy that Jesus was trying to get him to walk in his purpose was something he was already naturally doing. He was already making money to be a giver. He was already rich and successful at it. He just wasn't functioning in it. Y'all following me? So the same is true with us. What you're already functioning in right now, what already comes naturally for you to do is what God wants to take and then use it to help you fulfill your purpose in life so you can see the move of God in your life. So you're already doing it. It's not something that God's going to dump on you. You're already functioning in it. I don't know how to explain it. When I was a kid, uh, Christmas time would come around when I was just a young boy. And I always would dream about giving. It was just in me. I just wanted to give. I wanted to get a, in my mind, I was just trying to put it into play. I would want to get a, like a, uh, a grain truck, you know, like we'd haul grain in and load it full of candy and just take it and open up the back gate and just kind of raise it up a little bit and just dump a line of candy out for all the kids is what I was thinking because that's the only thing I'd ever seen in life. So I was trying to relate my feelings and my thoughts into just what I had naturally seen us do on the farm, like you're feeding the cows, you know. And I wanted to do that to just, just to, and I remember there would be times at Christmas I would get very sad in my heart because I wanted I wanted to, to give. I wanted to express, and it wasn't enough just to buy a present for my family or whatever. I, it was in me just I wanted to give. And when I look back now in hindsight, and I see all the things that happened and what I did in life and how much my, my father was a giver. He spent a lot of time helping people and doing things for people and all. And, and I, you know, I, I never recognized it as a gift of God, you know, or like that was his purpose in life. Because a lot of times everybody says, oh, well, so-and-so, he's just a nice guy, or so-and-so, he's just whatever. But it's, it's that you, something you're already naturally given to do. Bill Schaefer sitting back there. From the time I can remember, when I was a small kid, I always wanted my mother to trade gas and buy gas from Bill at the gas station because he was friendlier and he gave all the kids bubble gum. So I knew that if we went and bought gas over there, 
that we'd get we'd get it. So if I was ever with mother, I'd just scream and holler until she got got gas from Bill because I knew I'd get candy and it was just wanted to go to the nice man that was going to give me candy. He's a heck of a salesman. But it was something natural. Then he gets into serving God and he stood at that door since 1986, greeting people walking in the store. A lot of times we're praying for the purpose of God, and we keep thinking that the purpose of God has to be some big calling, some big, you know, send you to Ethiopia or do something like this. And, it has, and we, a lot of times the devil can use that and twist that into you, you get out of whack and you get crazy in your head because you think that that's the only thing that could have any effect. But the truth of the matter is God fearfully and wonderfully created each and every one of you in your mother's womb. He already put things in you, and you knew that you were going to be created in a certain way, in a certain fashion, and turn out a certain way. And he already had in his plan, no matter how warped you may think you got, or this, if this would have happened, I would have been like this, or that would have happened. No, he's already created in you and put in you what the gifting is in you for to fulfill the purpose on your life. It's already naturally in you if you would just submit it unto the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit then begin to use it. I remember years, years ago, I don't remember, Laura, you may even remember how long ago, is that when we first started working with the orphanage, remember Miss Audrey made those pillows that then folded out? What were they? Quillows, yes. Remember those? They made the pillows and then they folded out like a little quilt, and she made one for each of the kids. I don't know if everybody helped on those or how that all worked out, but, but she made those. But, you know, she was an orphan, and she knew what would make a kid happy? They had something of their own that they held on to. And of all the things that we've done in life, that, that was one of the most special things to me because I thought, wow, here is a, an orphan blessing orphans. What, was her, what could she do? Well, y'all all know Miss Audrey could sew, right? So she took the gifting, the natural thing of sewing, submitted that to God, and fulfilled her purpose. If she wouldn't have been able to sew, then there may have been a different purpose. There may have been a different outlet. But her outlet was that then she took what she had, she submitted it to God, she made those things and blessed those children. Right? But she already could do it. She didn't have to go learn. It was just something that came natural. Bill has always been naturally greeting people, naturally smiling, naturally been that way. And every time everybody ever says anything about coming to this church, they always say they always feel loved. And I'll believe it starts right there at the front door. Right? And you can't pay somebody to stand at the front door and smile. Right? It's just not going to work. You know if somebody genuinely cares because it comes natural. But the person that generally is going to be smiling and greeting and hospitality that person, there may be another person that that's not their gifting, that there maybe is something over here. That doesn't mean one's lesser or one's greater. What it means is you've got to find out what you naturally respond to, what you naturally do, or what you can physically do that gets submitted under the Holy Spirit to let God then birth that into something. And the moment you begin to do that, you won't miss it like the rich young ruler did. You're going to see the opportunities Jesus sets before you and then you're just going to be able to walk in it. But until you start to question yourself about what are you good at, what naturally comes to you, and get that settled in your heart, it's kind of like the wedding last night, when Timothy and Andrea, 
you know, <clears throat> those of you that are there, you know, I, I, it really makes me nervous. And so I get really nervous before, and so I get really intense. And so I almost missed it because they were, they were, this is where my gifting is not. My gifting is to go down there and to do the service and to bring the Spirit of God and to speak the word over their life. But my gifting is not to coordinate it. And they were running late, and the coordinator is like trying to hurry them up, and Timothy's singing a song to Andrea through the door, and I'm like, shut the song up, we're late, we're going, we need to go. Get out. This is how I was thinking. Right? And that's why I'm not in that part. Yeah, That's what I was thinking, I didn't say anything. No, I kept my mouth shut and stood at the door and just <laughs> behaved myself. But I'm saying that's what I was thinking. Because that's not my gifting to say, oh, this and like this. I don't see that. Right? My wife can move furniture in the house, and it takes me a week to catch on that anything's been moved. Unless it's my chair. I don't see that. I don't see that. that I don't see things like that. That's not my gifting. And so you've got to figure out what it is. You've got to ask yourself those questions. What am I naturally going to do? Because God's going to use you right where you are, doing what you're doing. Okay, so then let me take this to another place. Matthew 22, 36. Matthew 22, 36 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? This is when the, the, the Pharisees and were trying to catch Jesus. He said, which is the greatest commandment? The law. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Where your purpose gets hindered is that, number one, is you don't submit it to God, and number two, you're, thinking about, you're not thinking about using it for somebody else. What's wrong with so much of the world today is everybody's so selfish, nobody thinks about other people. All they think about is themselves. And so, therefore, the gift of God, the, the purpose of God, can't really flow and function because the purpose of God comes when you submit your life to God and you start to love other people. That's what the gift and the purpose is for. Others, not you. You benefit off of it because you get blessed by functioning in your purpose. But as long as it's all wrapped up around you, you're not going to see the others. So it goes back to the Mark 4 scripture. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness, the riches, and the lust of other things enter in and choke out the words. So all the things that are going on, the busy work in life, the, the chingling and the jingling. My wife told me this story that I don't ever go into ACB when she shops. I just sit in the car, read license plates. And so, uh, but I wasn't with her on this trip, and she went in there, and, and, and what was it? The girl was helping you take your stuff out, the one that lost her ring. And she was upset. You noticed she was upset. So she noticed that she was upset. And she was young. And she said, well, I've lost my wedding ring, right? It was her wedding ring. I lost my wedding ring. And, and she was upset. And so she said, oh, that's terrible. And so she told her the story about a gold heart that I'd given Laura when we were dating. And uh, she loaned it to one of her sisters to go out on a special event and loan it to her and she lost it and then her niece was walking down the street and looked down and found the necklace not knowing that it was Laura's that had been lost brought it home to show to her mother showed it to her mother and she said oh my gosh that's the necklace of course we were praying about that you know she'd find it 
And so Laura said to the girl, told her the story and said, you know, I'm just going to pray and ask that God will bless you and you'll get your ring back. And so then you were there, I don't know what, a couple of weeks later, a month later, and the girl, and there she's checking out and she knows it's the same girl and she says, did you get your ring? And she started crying and said, yes, that there was a lady found it in her bag when she got home. And when she found it in her bag, she got the ring and said, this is somebody's and took it back to H-E-B and it was the girl's ring. And I'm, the whole time she's telling me this story, I'm just, I'm just amazed because in my day, sometimes, I don't know that I would even notice that the person was upset. You know what I'm saying? Unless they were really bawling. Because we get so busy with the busyness of the world, we don't stop to look at the people around us. So when you get... When you start to write this down and you're starting to see what God's, what you're saying, what's naturally coming to you and all, what your first step is, is then submit that to God. Say, God, you created me to be like this. This is how I am. If, I, if it's digging post holes, I, Lord, I would be the best post hole digger you have ever in life seen. I have the faithfulness to stand there and chink on a rock all day long until I get this hole. Okay? Because a gift of, like, faithfulness, all right, Though it may be spiritual, I'm calling it a soulish thing. If you're faithful to do something, you'll endure and you'll be faithful to do it. I'm saying that's part of your gifting, part of your purpose. And then the second thing is you've got to learn, say, Lord, you've created me to be like this for a reason. It's for people out there. So, Lord, let me be able to use this gifting out in the world and the people I'm around. So it takes me to the last scripture, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. So Jerusalem is your family who's around you, your close relations. Judea is your larger area. Samaria is outside of that. So the people your God's going to use your purpose for is those people you already know right now. That's your congregation. Your family, your all those that are around you, close, your friends, your associates, all out there, the people you work with, all those people, you know, it keeps extending out more, and those you're going to meet. I'll tell you all this. Um, I don't think I told you all this, but when I was coming back from the trip to Guatemala, I got all messed up in the airports, and I was there three and a half hours waiting on the tarmac, and then they send me back to Houston. I'm in the middle of all that mess, and, man, I'm just doing everything in the world I can do to say, I'm trying to be who I preach to y'all to be. I'm walking down there. There's chaos. There's confusion. There's people mad. There's ticket agents are mad. The people are mad. And I'm walking to the midst of saying, Lord, I'm just going to believe you that there's a reason for me to be here. Uh, whatever it is, let me see it. I don't want to get so caught up with trying to get home. But please get me home. But I just want to see whatever's going on. And so... <laughs> so I'm standing in front of the gate the ticket gate where, the, where I'm supposed to go out, and I'm on standby. I'm number five. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, get me on this thing. Get me on this thing. And I'm just standing there probably like this, saying, you know, come on, get me on the gate. Get me on the gate. And this guy walks up to me, and I don't know, he's probably six foot tall, thin but muscular, got on work boots, blue jeans, T-shirt, baseball cap, dark complected. And he walks up to me and he puts his ticket in front of me and he points at the ticket gate and, and he's trying to say something. 
I assume he's Hispanic and doesn't speak English. I've been in Guatemala for 10 days, you know? So I just look at him and I say, I say, si, es, es la correcta puerta, pero uh, mira, su boleto es en mañana, es seis y medio en la mañana, no en la tarde. And this guy goes like this. And I'm like, hey, dude. This is what I'm thinking. Dude, that was my best Spanish. I mean, I had it down right. I had my tents right. I had everything right. What is your problem, you know, that you don't understand what I'm talking about? And so he just looking at me funny. He says, this. <laughs> he says, e e English? I'm like, now I'm chapped, you know? Like he didn't understand what I was saying in Spanish. And so... I said, I said, yeah, it's the correct gate, but it's the wrong time. It's 7.30 in the morning, not 7.30 at night. And so then he just looks at me, stares at me again. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know. What, I'm trying to use my purpose in life and be nice and help you. But I'm getting offended at this. You don't understand my Spanish. And the guy starts speaking, and it's Middle Eastern. He's speaking Farsi or something. It's not even Hispanic. I thought, man, I profile this guy. Just, I said, I don't know. There's the gate, buddy. I don't know what you're saying. Just, I can't help you at all now. But it was so hilarious because it was like, I'm trying to do good. And this guy just stares at me like, cow going through a new gate. But I tried. Point being, you know. You've got to be aware of all that. Because I thought, oh, here's my guy. You know, this is why I'm here. I'm going to help this guy. I'm going to lead him to Jesus or something. You know, <laughs> this guy, we ain't going to get nowhere. <laughs> I definitely am not getting any Middle Eastern language here. So, so anyway, but you got to look for those opportunities. you got to look for the girl who lost her ring. you got to look for these things to be able to use your gifting, your purpose in life, and let the Spirit of God flow through you to them. And he's going to do it in a natural way how you naturally are created, all right? I remember, here's one, I remember one time, uh, there was a, a lady whose car was broken down on the side of the road, she needed uh, her car to be jumped, and nobody was stopping and doing anything. And so I pulled over the side of the road. I got jumper cables. I can start the lady's car. I mean... You know, not everybody in the world carries jumper cables with them. I mean, that was something I could do, a purpose in life. I had a tool that they needed. Ah, here's another one. We got on the plane going down, and the lady comes in with three kids. And they have tickets that put them in like three aisle seats in three different rows away from the, the mother. And so uh, I'm sitting there watching the situation. And so she asked the person that was in front of me to move, if they would consider moving, to let them all sit. And the guy said, no. I was like, I just wonder if the pop, probably on the back of the head said, what's the matter with you? And so then one of the seats was between us. And so I said, well, I'll give up my seat. And so I gave up my seat and the other guy got shamed into it. So he gave up his seat. So then we took the two middle seats, which wasn't fun. But anyway, I could do it. It didn't kill me. You see what I'm saying? You've got to look for those opportunities. Just be nice. So it boils back down to the last thing, is look for wherever your area of influence is. I mean, at that moment, that lady, it was just me 
getting up and giving up my seat. Wasn't a big deal. I laughed later. I said, well, thank God I did it on the flight going down because if I'd have given up and been in the middle seat on the flight coming back when I sat there for three and a half hours, that would have been no fun. So thank you, Lord, for sparing me for that. But anyway, that's my point. My point is if you want to find your purpose in life and really want to flow in your purpose in life, you've got to find what you naturally do, and then whatever your area of influence is, use it. And you'll see God do amazing things. So you don't have to pray and say, oh, God, oh, God, help me, help me, help me. Look at what you're already doing. Look at what already naturally comes easy to you. Amen? Praise God. Pretty simple, but very effective. So you can take your homework home, work on it. Ask the Holy Ghost to keep illuminating it to you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, Please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.